This is Michael Zuber, and I just wanted to thank you for listening to my One Rental at a Time podcast. Did you know that I took the time to document the entire process I used to learn my market and actually still use today? I released it as a $199 online course via Teachable, and it is called How to Get Started One Rental at a Time. With that, you get access to my private Facebook group and can join our group mentoring calls every Saturday at 9 a.m. Pacific. You can find it on my website at onerentalatatime.com. Now on with the show. Hey guys, welcome back. Jeb Smith here. Uh, Today I have a special guest with me, Michael Zuber. I had reached out to a lot of you guys, did a poll on YouTube and asked who I should do a collaboration with. And a lot of you guys threw Michael's name out there. So here we are today. Michael is a full-time investor now actually purchased his first rental at 30, retired at 45, I believe it was, replaced two six-figure incomes, and now teaches investing to those that um, want to get into to the investing game. And I know a lot of you guys watching my channel have questions about investing. So, you know, we're going to throw some of those questions at Michael today and let him address them. But before we dive into it, let's take a minute and just let Michael introduce himself. Michael, thanks for uh, for joining us uh, on the show. Appreciate you being here. What's it? Thank you, buddy. I appreciate it. That's nice to know. I'm glad the one rental at a time, you know, community recommended we get together. We have had a couple of quick conversations. This should be a lot of fun. But yeah, my, my story is like a lot of your followers. I was a W-2 employee. It means I had a stressful day job, uh, family, daughter, and I just wanted a better, better life, right? I tried the stock market game. It worked for a minute and then it spectacularly crashed on my head. And I felt all depressed. So, you know, I go to the bookstore and, and, uh, you know, find that purple book, which is called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And it changes your mindset, but it doesn't tell you how. Right. So, absolutely. you know, uh, we, we, we just went after it and we figured it out. We happen to live in Silicon Valley, which is ridiculously expensive. And uh, we tried here, didn't work. Uh, So we found Fresno, California, where, you know, we started, you know, I don't know, 18 years ago now. And uh, we've never left. So we're in one market. We've had property managers since day one. Uh, The good story, it's interesting, right? Because we've been doing this since 2001. Okay. Uh, We started with single family homes. We we rode the wave up. We couldn't buy that eighth or ninth property because they just didn't work, right? If you've been in business, you just know how wacky 06 was, right? Late 06. Absolutely. So what we did is we went to a real estate meetup and the guy on stage talked about small multifamilies. I'm like, I got a duplex. He's like, no, you got to go five and above commercial, all of those things. Never looked at them, right? I've been in the game eight years by that point, seven years, never looked at them. I thought they, I thought only millionaires could own these things. Right. So uh, we ended up doing a whole bunch of 1031 exchanges at the peak. So we get all the, we, we squeeze all of the juice from the single family homes. We 1031 into apartments. We go from eight to 80 units. Then the crash happens, crushes single family homes. For example, that, First house we buy for 107, we sell for 264. It goes all the way down to 75 grand before it retrades wow. after the foreclosure crisis. So I've been through it, right? And uh, you know, then the crash happens. You know, we get aggressive. No banks. We find hard money, then private money. And you know, 15 years after we start, we replace two six-figure incomes. We have nearly 200 units at the peak, and um, you know, we're financially free. And, and now we now we spend time giving back. So. Uh, it's kind of the story in a nutshell. No, that, that awesome story. And, and you, you said a couple of things there that I think are important that we, we, we need to dive into. For one, um, you said a 1031 tax exchange. For, for those out there that don't know what a 1031 is, 
Um, mm-hmm. Michael, why don't you just kind of give a brief summary of, of a 1031? Because it's it, before you do that, though, because there's some potential changes on the table, right? Um, mm-hmm. President Biden in part of his infrastructure package is talking about making some changes to the 1031 that could ultimately affect the housing market. And I don't want to get into that quite yet, but let's talk about mm-hmm. what a 1031 is for those that, that are watching that don't know. Yeah, so we'll do this in two steps. We'll set up what it is, and then we'll talk about the tweak that that is being proposed at this point. So as the 1031 is when I used it, which we'll just call it 2007, just to put it in time frame. Uh, basically, you're you're you are allowed to sell a rental property. So it's it can't be your primary home. That's a big no no, right? It has to be an investment property. Right. Uh, you can then sell that asset. You can uh, have the funds come out. It has to go to intermediary. It's called a like-kind exchange. So you can sell an investment house and buy something else. The idea of a 1031 exchange is you as an investor own an asset. It gets depreciated down. You want to sell it instead of get hit with all these taxes. You go bigger. The whole idea is the government wanted to incent investors, landlords, to go bigger. That was the whole reason for it. Uh, And that's what we did, right? We went from one to five. Then we went from one to eight. And these are unit counts. And then once we went, for, we sold two houses and bought a 20 unit. And, you know, those were the kinds of things that we did. So the, the real reason we did that is, A, we got bigger. We were able to squeeze. We were able to sell ridiculously expensive houses for underappreciated apartments. Our cash flow exploded, right? Eight single family homes is 1500 bucks, maybe right. 1800 bucks. 80 units in apartment that are bought right, a lot more cash flow. Uh, and then the biggest thing is, you know, basically you get to flip the middle finger to the IRS, right? right? We no, get to take exactly. all of the capital gains and not pay a lick of taxes, right? You get to you get to get to move that forward. So the 1031 is a huge benefit to real estate investors, um, and frankly, that's probably one of the reasons why it's now a target uh, by the current administration because they need more taxes, right? Right. They Absolutely. are signing up for six trillion dollars and. What's it been a hundred days in office? He's already yeah. wants to spend six or seven trillion dollars. You got to pay for that somehow. So real That's, estate does absolutely. have some goodies, right? One one of them is the ten thirty one exchange. So there's a chance it goes away. There's a chance it gets modified because well, I think. Go ahead. No, no, I, I think there's gonna be, there's gonna be some give and take, right? Um, but you know, it, it's part of a larger package and, and making mm-hmm. it part of a larger package, let some things slip through that, mm-hmm. you know, when one party wants something on their side, a little bit of give and take, because, you know, something like this, unfortunately, both parties, you know, have to come to some sort of agreement in order to get it to the table. And so hopefully, um, you know, the 1031 is one of those things that, you know, is allowed or, or, or is changed or modified from from the way he's currently um, proposing it in, in, in my opinion, yeah. plus that, and, yes. and not only the 1031, the, the amounts being changed, but the, the actual tax rate, um, which I don't know that the tax rate could pass, but who knows at this point, what are you, what are your thoughts yeah. on, on all of that? Yeah. So I, th- I think, I think you always have to watch what people do, not what they say. And right now what they're doing is they're putting real estate investing right in the center of how they're going to raise taxes. Right. The last guy in office was a real estate guy. And they're like, we're going to go get those son of a guns. We've been auditing his taxes forever. And yeah, he may have done it legally, but God damn it, we're going to close those loopholes. That's kind of what it feels like is going no, on. Right? I, I wouldn't disagree with that. Yeah. So I think the 1031 does get modified or at least gets adjusted. Right now, the proposal is it's they're trying to put it in place where the little mom and pop 
gets taken care of, right? There, there's a 500,000 right. limit, right? Which is interesting. Um, I think something like that happens. I think that goes up to a million dollars because basically what they want to do is they want to get Blackstone and American homes and all of these big behemoths that are doing tens and hundreds of millions of dollars a deal. They want those guys to pay taxes. No, no more 1031 for them. Right. Yeah. Yeah, but so but here's, think, yeah, go ahead. No, but I think they want to instead, mom, because there's because right now, here's the deal with President Biden and his administration at least proposed is I know police officers. I know teachers. I talked to one of them yesterday, never made more than 65 grand. He bought his first rental in 1981. He's about done and he's looking to sell his eight houses. And now he's like, they just kicked over the board. I've been playing this board game Monopoly for 30 years and I get within five feet of the end and they kick over the board. What the hell? So, I mean, he was distraught. So there are people that never made more than 60 or 65 grand, but because they, they live below their means, they sacrifice, they bought a rental once every three years, they're going to be penalized. Cause if you sell eight houses, you know what, you're going to be a millionaire for that tax year. And they're going to come get you 53%, you know, 39 for fed 13 for state. Right. Oh, it's, no, it, I just feel so bad. It, no, it's it, it is, and and I think what you know. So I think the average consumer out there, the the average person in America, looks at that and goes, "Yeah, the, those corporations should be taxed. They shouldn't be allowed to do this sort of thing." As a whole, I think that's probably the general consensus. But I don't think yeah. what people understand is that there's effects of 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 large companies not being able to do this rollover in capital gains on on large commercial property. So. Mm-hmm. Question for you: What happens when you tell those black, the Blackstones, the the American Homes, all, all those big corporations that are doing flipping and and mm-hmm. not necessarily flipping, but but selling assets, putting them into larger assets to avoid taxes or or what have you? What happens when the government says now we're going to hit you for anything over five hundred thousand on capital gains? Do they now take that money and start looking at single family homes for you know? shorter term investments where they're not going to to hit that and that adds fuel to this crazy housing market because these people aren't going to stop investing they're just going to 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 go to a different asset right yeah so first off you've nailed one of my biggest pet peeves in all of this but let's walk through because there's three things that will happen and i've been i you know i have an accounting degree i have a master's degree in business so i've I've been playing this game for a long time so the first thing that's going to happen is this all of this proposal is for tax year of 2022 right so what's going to first happen is people are going to evaluate their portfolios they're going to see what they may have sold next year they're going to list early because they're going to they're going to say i'm going to pay 20 now versus whatever later yeah so that's the first thing so we may see a very short window of some inventory come on that is a that i would expect that that's a good business decision right Sell in March for sell in November. I'm going to sell in November, right? Save some money. Second, then what's going to happen is they're going to start looking at their portfolio and go, that's, you know, that has another year that has another two or three years to age on it before it was going to be sellable. And now what they're going to do is they're going to go, we're just going to stay put. That capital is now dead, right? right? We're going to wait out this administration because what happens with taxes is who takes it away, it will come back. Yep. Okay. So there will be some dead money. Uh, in the system means, which means while we'll get a short-term blip in inventory, there will be future inventory that never shows up. 
And that will be far greater than this little bit that shows up, you know, for number's sake, maybe 10 show up early, but there'll be thousands that never show up. Right. right. So we're, we're exacerbating the problem in the future. But then there's that wrinkle. There's that special 500 K number. And what that does is it just puts a micro focus on single family homes. The affordable home, if this goes through, will become the unicorn. It won't exist because I promise you, there is nobody that needs an FHA loan or a three and a half percent loan that can compete with Blackstone who's stroking a check. Right. No, you just won't compete. They just won't exist. I don't care if you get a 40 year mortgage, you won't be able to compete. Yes, a 40-year mortgage can make your payment lower, but you're not going to get a chance because Blackstone will outp outbid you and they'll close faster. Right. Oh my God. And they're only one through, player, right? I mean, there's there's thousands. Yeah, I'm of using players. them as a yeah, as an umbrella. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, no, it's it, right. it, it does. It, it 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 takes, I mean, the, the big focus everybody looks at is they say, okay, he's doing the right thing. He's taxing these millionaires who are avoiding taxes to some extent. But but by the law, they're avoiding taxes, which is completely yeah. legal. Nothing wrong completely with it. Legal. But it's it's the easy, easy person to 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 aim at right now and, and take your shot. And and so yep. people go, yeah, what's what's the problem with that? But what they don't understand is the the recurring effects of, yeah. of focusing on those people. They just turn that money into something else. And, and you you're going to see it likely hit some sort of. Of, of housing market. And, and so I, I kind of want to tra transition here because mm -hmm. there's a lot of talk out there, right? Um, about the housing market and there being, you know, it, it's being uh, falsely portrayed at the moment. I don't know if, even if that's the right way to, to put it, but that, you know, we're not having a real market, right? Because there's moratoriums mm -hmm. on evictions. There are, mor there are moratoriums on foreclosures and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, without taking the tax thing into account, you know, we're not, we're not, let's not go there quite yet with, with the Blackstones sure. and all of those guys and potential properties coming on the market. Looking at the market right now, evictions, foreclosures, thoughts, thoughts on the housing market as a whole, where we are now, where do you see, I'm not going to ask you five years from now, but what do you see in a year or two based on where we are at the moment mm -hmm. and, and things that you're seeing and, and hearing and all that good stuff, yeah. being an investor? Yeah. So, yeah. So I look, so the, the beauty of what I do is I've been looking at my market, uh, every day, nearly every day for almost 20 years, right? So I know it better than most. And then I've been looking nationally for a long time as well. So this is what, when I say today, we got to level set what I see today. Right now I see a housing market that has an inventory problem. We'll put a number on it of about a million homes. That's about what's available yep. today across the country. And just so we can get, we can all be on the same page. A normal market in the U.S. is somewhere between 3.3 and 3.7 available homes, right? So we're sitting at, 32% of a normal market, 31% of a normal market. So then you have to ask yourself, what I ask myself is why? Why is that? Because it's never right. been this low. I mean, in my market, we don't count months anymore or weeks. We count days. Right. Wow. That's yeah. not okay. Right. That's not normal. No, no, absolutely. So we have to do, you have two things, right? So I think of the market, right? The 3.2 market is a, just a cup. And what we've done over the last 14 months is we poked holes in the cup, which has just meant inventory just fell out or never came on. For example, mm -hmm. the biggest driver, and I think this will change, is what I call the move up buyer, mm -hmm. right? It's the person that would sell one, buy one, Absolutely. right? It's that magic person to understand as a real estate agent because you could theoretically get two sides. Yep. And that stopped. We basically told people, don't let anybody in your house and don't let anybody touch your stuff. That's what we told people. So 
people didn't have open houses. They didn't list their house. And also, I've been studying the consumer forever. The consumers were scared for that first six months, right? California shuts down in March or whatever it was last year. People were like, I don't know if I have a job. I don't know what's going to happen. This, 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 you know, I don't know if I have food. We're going to rush out by toilet paper. I mean, just crazy things we were doing, right? I mean, yeah, remember, no, right? I, I, I but, witnessed it all firsthand. Yeah, it's crazy, right? So again, the, the most important segment of the buyer pool is the move up buyer, in my opinion. The first time home to move up, second to luxury, whatever that is for you, that ceased to exist. That's a problem. And, right. and partly then, because of what you said, but partly because, I mean, and you're probably going to say this, but partly because those buyers, I mean, those sellers who are also buyers are now looking out there saying, I can't buy anything. Why, why am I going to, why am I going to list my house? Yeah, right? exactly. That's exactly what they're saying today. That is, uh, I'm hearing that I've, I've talked to a couple of agents here in the last 30 days and um, yeah, they're like, my guys can't get anything, right? There's, there's people want to list. They want to squeeze the equity out. Consumers are simple creatures. They're now looking at their house going, I've been stuck here. It's too old. It's too small. I, I'm now a director instead of a manager. I'm a VP instead of a director. I got to be in a different part of town, but I can't find anything. So one of the things I would do if I was a real estate agent is I get really good at the lingo of contingent sale, right? That's what I'd be pushing today, right? Let me list your house contingently, right? I would, I'd be pushing that right now if I was an agent, because all consumers are going to feel a lot better in June or July. I'm saying by middle of July, July 15th. This, and this is where I went to earlier, right, with that million. I'm calling right now 2 million available homes by July 15th, which that's big. if you're in the business, you're like, holy cow, that's a million homes. Dude, I think there's that many people that are like, I don't, I don't like my home anymore. I want bigger, nicer golf course, whatever it is. But here's another thing. You go from one to two million. Yes, it's a hundred percent increase. But remember what I told you a normal market was? It was three point three. So we're right. still sixty percent. But it's going to feel better, right? In my market today, or actually thirty days ago, junk would sell at retail prices. Junk. I mean, like junk. Now we're starting to see more inventory. Click on it. Still, re- it's still going fast, but you can see the change. So I really do think we're going to have a lot more inventory. Days on market will go up. The, the best of the best, the top 10% of houses will still sell over asking remarkably fast, but it's that next 90% that's going to linger. You're going to see price drops because junk shouldn't go for retail. There should be a discount for junk, no, but in a market where there's nothing, you know, it's uh, it's tough. So everything sells. No, I, I mean, I, I don't disagree. I mean, I have clients who are potential sellers looking at inventory saying, Hey, look, I, you know, I'd love to sell my house, but I'm not seeing anything out there. And the contingent sell is, is, is an opportunity to get a house on the market. But, you know, I, I went through the, a couple actually clients earlier in the year where we had their house on the market, we had buyers on their house and we mm-hmm. couldn't find anything. I mean, we were putting in offers, we were doing all the right things and it was mm-hmm. just, you know, they got emotionally drained. It was, it was, yeah, it's it was a headache. It was, just, it was just a pain in the ass for everyone involved. And they were like, you know what, we're just going to wait. And so my conversation to them was, okay, are you waiting because you think home prices are going to come down? Or are you waiting because you think there's going to be more opportunity, more options for you to choose from? And, you know, depending on where they say, it, you know, what they say there yeah. is, is one of those things where you kind of direct them. But you know, I, I I will say I'd be really surprised if there were two million properties. But you're talking about the entire United States, right? We're not just talking mm-hmm. California. We're talking 
uh, you know, it's a and, national number. Yeah. It's a national number, clearly. Um, and it's it's hard to say, right? I, I have been talking the whole time that I, I do think the economy is going to, you know, while 2020, a lot of people suffered, had difficult times. A lot of people thrived. A lot of people made a mm. lot of money. Those that owned equities, mm. those that owned property did very yeah. well. Now, now that's not the majority of people out there, but a lot of people did well. And I think there's mm. a lot of money floating around the economy and a lot of people want to spend money. I mean, I yeah. want to spend money. I want to go on vacation. <laughs> I want to travel. And my group of friends wants to do the same thing. And so I think yeah. as restrictions ease, you're going to see a lot of money come into the economy, which is going to be a positive mm -hmm. sign. Now, it's not a forever thing. That's not going to be there forever. But it, mm -hmm. it's a short-term bounce, which I think adds to consumer confidence. It it gives people, you know, this, you know, you get people hiring, restaurants open back up, and, and people outside of California are thinking, well, well, restaurants have been open forever. No, here in California, it's it's crazy. I mean, you know, we're just now getting here in Orange County restaurants to 50% capacity because of, you know, the, the yeah. crazy things that have been put in place. So I do think you're going to see people more comfortable. And I think with that, you see property come on the market. Now, the question is, mm -hmm. those properties that come on the market, do they have to buy something? Because if they do, then that property coming on the market isn't really, you know, it's it's not you you, you sell one, you take one. So it's kind of a, mm -hmm. a trade off exactly. on on that inventory coming in. And, and I've seen that in my own housing market. Right. I see inventory come on, but I see just as many properties go into escrow, if, if not yeah. more. And so more, that inventory yeah. never builds. So it, it, it definitely an interesting. What what are your take on um, evictions, foreclosures? So you think with I mean, because we got moratoriums mm -hmm. until the end of June at the moment. Mm -hmm. at the yeah. moment um yeah. likely extended yeah, so, maybe well i don't know so i think so there's really two things there i think foreclosures is far far easier conversation because i think the government's already showed their hand they're gonna bend over backwards uh so we don't have a repeat of what happened last time absolutely because uh, i've been doing this since 06 you know 2001 and i saw it last time last time banks wouldn't talk to you unless you were 90 days late once you got 90 days late you were gonna lose your house 97 percent of the time they are not doing that this time. The the word uh, this year is going to be avoidable foreclosure. Right. So the right. people that were calling for a wave of foreclosures and all of these things, and that was going to destroy housing, it ain't coming. They're going to bend over backwards. They're going to lower payments. They're going to stretch payments out to 40 years. There may be people locked in homes like rent control that they can't leave again because they got this big second. Right. But there's no inventory coming from this. It, it, very, 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 very little. And any that comes out will be snapped up in a heartbeat. So that's an oh, easy conversation. Right. And, and that's For where them. I was going to go before you dive into the next one. That's where I was going to go with sure. the the Blackstones and, and the, the and these companies out there that, that have millions, billions of dollars sitting on the sideline. Billions. What, what happens when you're in this market, properties have been selling at market value, above market value for a year, and now there's a distressed property and let's say distressed property actually goes on the market for less than what the market value of that property is. How many people just take the investor out of it? How many people do you think are going to jump on a property that seems like it's undervalued in a market like this? Everyone. Well, I, which, everyone. I mean, I, there's a great example. Drive the they price wrote back it. up. Oh yeah. They wrote about an example in Washington, DC where a junker, I mean like not touched since the thirties. Oh, wow like the thirties, they listed it at two fifty in a four fifty market. It ended up going for four seventy cash. 
Oh, is this the There's one that received like 87 offers. cash offers? 87 cash crazy? offers and yeah, just so. Oh, yeah. No, I, I read happens. it. I didn't read the whole story, but yeah, I saw, saw the number of offers, which is incredible. So yeah. so we're in agreement that, yeah, they, we don't think the foreclosures are going to play a part. Now, the the, the hard part here is, is the evictions. What, what do you think happens on, on that front? So evictions, I, I want to, I, I own a lot of rentals. And so far, my writ collections, knock on wood, after 14 months is in the 95-ish percent. So, so a little under usual years, because again, I got 20 years experience, but not horrible. I was, I was prepared for much worse. Uh, so not horrible. I'm going to say that at least for most of the country, California is always an exception, given our lovely governor. Right. Yep. Um, I'm going to say that June 30, evictions for the nation end. They've already lost a couple of battles, uh, Texas, Tennessee, yep. I think. They, they've exuded power they don't have and were never given. Uh, there will be lawsuits filed, but the, the legal system is slow to do it. Uh, so my guess is CDC doesn't push it past June 30. Okay. Then you got to go to the state level. What does your state person do? <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, I think it's what, September yeah. or something here in, in California. Yeah, I think it's September 30th now. But yeah, yeah. I... Uh, I <laughs> Yeah, I'm not a not a huge fan, obviously, as you can probably tell. Um, uh, yeah, but no, yeah, I, it, and it, I think it, we're on the same page there. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think a lot I just of people don't see are. how it can go past September. Right, I really okay. can't. Um, and so, what because do you then think if happens? you do it to December and then you get, can't do it over the holidays, and, oh, I mean, eventually landlords got to get paid. So, so when I've talked about housing market in in multiple times over the last year or so, you know, people obviously have their comments and they say, well, when the evictions, when these people get evicted, the, the landlords are, are going to be tired of owning property. They're, they don't want to be landlords anymore. They're, 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 so all of this property is going to come to the market, right? Hmm. Which I don't agree with, but, but what are your thoughts on what happens when the evictions end? These people actually go through the eviction property process. Now you have a vacant property. Does that property now become an, you know, a, a inventory for someone else to buy? Or does that landlord now go in and and make a smarter decision on on who they accept as a tenant or what have you yeah so i think there's i think there's a couple of things and, and what's really interesting is you got to tie this in with all the other changes we started with right depending Absolutely. on when this eviction moratorium ends i mean you could you could really force an answer of shoot i got to keep it because otherwise i get stuck uh so i think there's a couple of things i know hundreds thousands of landlords and it's been a rough year especially for mom and pops I mean, if you had, if you got six units and two of them are paying, you've been dipping in the savings to pay the bills. Cause, oh, by the way, property tax, I pay property taxes three times already. And I have a tenant that hasn't paid rent in a year. Oh, right. Wow. That, that hurts. Um, and that's happening across the country. Um, but I think what's going to happen is eviction moratoriums will end. We will actually, the, the U.S. Constitution actually has a taking clause in the Fifth Amendment that's supposed to make this not legal, but apparently the CDC can avoid the U.S. Constitution. But, Whatever, uh, I didn't think that was possible, uh, but it is apparently. Uh, so I think I think a landlord's going to come to the point they're going to get them out. They're going to say, okay, they can sell it as is, which they won't do because that doesn't do them any good. Because I think inventory peaks picks up. They could say, you know what, all this demand from first time buyers, because that's the beauty of mom and pop landlords. They're usually playing in that first, you know, that stuff they own is like first time buyer prime stuff. Mm -hmm. So I think a fair amount of them are going to say, you know what, we're going to clean it up. We're going to throw in uh, granite. Uh, you know, we're going to put in new flooring. We're going to clean up the bathroom, kitchen, make it look nice. And they're going to sell it at retail prices. I think there'll be a fair amount of them, but it won't come out as junk. It will come out as 
FHA quality, three and a half percent down, so they can wring every last drop out. Um, so, so there'll be some of that. You know, if, if the number's a hundred, that'll probably be thirty to thirty-five percent of landlords that go, "I'm done," but oh, by the way, I'm going to go get maximum profit. Right. Uh, and then that the other sixty-five percent are going to go, "Wow, that's really hard. I hope we never have a pandemic. The last one was nineteen eighteen. Let's hope this doesn't happen again." And uh, oh, by the way, rents are up. I mean, that's what's crazy. Houses, my market for houses, my rent's up 25% a year. There's just no inventory. And if prices keep going up like they are, rents follow. I've been doing this a long time. It is going to be, what, what's going to happen a year or two is it is going to be a wonderful time to be a landlord for affordable housing because yep. there'll be no more supply right? and rents will just explode higher. No, absolutely. And and don't take this the wrong way because it's not meant to be, you know, this is me thinking outside of the box here, but you know, a landlord that owns a $500,000 property, for example, yeah, their tenant, maybe what, $2,500 payment a month or rent payment yeah, or what have you. to three, yeah, somewhere in there. Yeah. But let's say three grand. So they didn't okay. make their payments for a year. They lost $36,000 as a landlord, but that property is mm -hmm. appreciated 15% in the year Thanks. that they've They've owned it, not being able to pay rent. So they've gained, what, $75,000 in equity on that property. They can now, yeah. on their tax returns, probably write off the loss of rent. I would I would think to some, there's got to be a way to write that off outside of the depreciation. Well, you're I not claiming think. the income. So yeah, so the income right. is not so, there. So, so all the costs. And, and again, this is, this is not for everyone. Everyone's not going to mm -hmm. think like that. But- you know, when you're mm -hmm. looking at it from a numbers perspective, yeah, you've got to have the money to be able to carry that when when yeah. things were tough. But on paper, mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, it would have been great had they paid yeah. and you got both sides, but you're not really in a far worse position unless you owned a ton of these and, and really got hit. Yeah. I mean, and again, I'm not being naive to say that it doesn't suck and, and that, you know, no, it yeah. would have been better the other way around. But, you know, th there were some some give and take here a, a little bit. And, and at the end of the day, yeah. that landlord is probably coming out on top regardless um you know if yeah, as, as long as they can suffer or what the, have you yeah as long as they can have the operational wherewithal to continue on limp through this every landlord's in a better spot that and that is dead on and that's why i think when you get to the other side and the house is now vacant because until that tenant's out you're 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 just upset you're mad no, you're crotchety i'm gonna sell this thing i hate being a landlord but then they're out and you're like oh my god this house used to be worth 500. It's now worth 650. Right. This place will look pretty good. We'll I can, I can paint that. I can do that. Right. Yeah. What, what is, and oh, by the what, way, it's not three grand. Now it's 3,800. Like, shit, took another tenant in. Let's go. Yeah, no. And, and, you know, that landlord, they sell that property. They have to either 1031 it into a like kind property, right? Which is another That's rental right. of some sort, or they have to pay taxes on it, which makes them, it puts them in even a worse position financially. Worse. So, yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's good to hear it from somebody that's actually, you know, in the trenches of, of, you know, talking about yeah. investment property, because I, I think it's important, right? I mean, everybody looks at the, it's easy to spread fear, especially mm -hmm. in a, in a time where nobody really knew what the hell was going on. I mean, you mentioned a moment ago, people had no idea what they were going to do for six months. Well, I had about mm -hmm. 45 days of people backing out of transactions, listings, canceling, things going kind of sideways. And I was going, what, you know, talking to my wife going, what the hell are we like, if this thing goes sideways, <laughs> know, yeah, we got savings, but like, you know, I mean, 
You know, yeah. where what is it? I, how I long does this happen? I mean, when the government says you can't work, you can't do things, that puts you in a position where you're like, I don't know what to do. And so I can only imagine, you know, people in in that position. And 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 it was easy at that time to to add to the fear out there. And and I think a lot of people obviously are still doing that, but it's good to talk to somebody, you know, that boots on the ground that seeing this inside and out that, you know, yeah. is out there coming and, and dropping some knowledge on it, which, which I appreciate. Um, yeah. I have a question for you. Probably the most okay. common question I get, um, not common. I mean, not the most common question, but you know, when, when people talk about investment property, um, they say, should, should I invest in a property? Right? So one, mm -hmm. one I get all the time is, Hey, I own a property. Should I, should I pull some cash out and buy an investment property? Um, Ooh. or, you know, I'm looking, I'm looking to, to, to start investing. Um, you know, what should I look for And in my whole, you know, what, what I've always said in my go-to is, you know, there's, there's two types of investments, right? You, you're either looking mm -hmm. at a property from an appreciation standpoint, or you're looking mm -hmm. at a property from a cash flow standpoint, one of the mm -hmm. two primarily. Now, in some cases you can get both. Um, but historically speaking, it's kind of one or the other. When somebody says, Hey, the first question, cashing out a property, investing mm -hmm. in, in maybe out of state somewhere. What are your <laughs> thoughts on that? And then somebody that's just looking to get in investing, what's your, what's your recommendation? What's your go-to strategy or, or conversation with them? Yeah. Oh, this is going to be good. So first and foremost, people have to realize that I'm, I'm more conservative than most. I'm not this maximum leverage all down, put it, put it out there. Because again, I've been doing this 20 years. I saw this side of the mountain and I saw this side of the mountain. And I got to tell you, this side of the mountain destroys families, causes bankruptcies, and is no good for anyone. What caused that? It caused, first off, stupid lending. Let's, you know, right. let's put the blame where it is. But no, people absolutely. signed those loan docs, right? We signed them, right? The loan docs were signed by an individual who made that decision and committed to that. And people were betting on appreciation far too often there. So to your first question, I generally don't like taking equity out of my primary home because I grew up in a situation where that primary home was nearly lost several times. So I have that history, that memory as a kid. It's not a pleasant feeling. However, if you're in a situation um, where you can you know, borrow from the house and then pay it back in a year or two because you have RSUs or options or commission or you're doing a BRRRR strategy or you have a plan, go for it. So I don't – so to be clear, don't – you know, if you can get 200 grand, don't use it all. Um, you know, if you're going to use 150 of it, make sure there's a plan to pay it back in two years. So that's the first thing. Second part of part one, there are so many people in California that go, I'm going to go to the Midwest because it's cheap. Well, that's a horrible reason to invest. I know lots of people that go broke buying cheap. Right. Um, I, I counsel people all the time, right? If you're not willing to go see it, go visit the city, see your properties, you probably shouldn't put your money there. Um, Again, I've, I've been investing in California for 20 years. I found a market I could drive to. It works. I can't invest in you know Silicon Valley, but I can drive to a market and invest. So I think too many people in California or New York or other expensive states just default to the Midwest because they hear it's cheap on bigger pockets. Right. That's no, a horrible reason that's fair. to invest. Right. No, absolutely. All right. All right. So that's that question. Now you get the new investor. What should I do? Uh, first off, I'm not the appreciation guy. Uh, yes, it happens. I have benefited from it millions of dollars, but I don't count it. Don't it, it, it's like, you know, it's like whipped cream on a Sunday. It, right. It's, it's nice to have, but I don't, I don't plan for it. So for me, it's, it's cash on cash or what I call yield. 
I spend the time figuring out what average is in my market. So Fresno, California is my market in 2021. The average is 5%. So what I do once I figure out average is I go try to get every deal I can at 6 or 7 or 8% cash on cash. It's hard. It's really hard when there's no inventory. I mean, to tell you how hard it was, I wrote 250 offers last year and got nothing. Oh, wow. right? But that's not normal. 2020 right. was not normal. I still added six units, but that's because of my network and off market and all of that. But again, most of my portfolio was bought from the MLS. Oh, wow. That's right. Um, Paradon was bought out of the MLS. So I really do believe if you do the work and you learn average, anybody, full-time employees included with 20 minutes a day could learn their market and you know go find good or great deals. So that's what I am. I'm a cash on cash. I want my money working harder than average. Right. No. And, and is the goal for, for you to, to eventually pay those properties off um, and, and, and have the, the cash flow just continue to come in or is it to sell those properties and, and go bigger? Like you had, uh, you know, mentioned it yeah, initially. When we yes. Spoke. Yeah. So my, um, my, I had, I went through phases, so we'll go through them, right? Phase one for us was just buy as many as we can. Uh, kind of the whole idea is all ships rise. What does that mean? Well, that means I used all my cash, which I only had 40 grand to start all of this. All of that went in the first three houses. Then time happens. We were in an appreciating market. I did cash out refis on those three and bought the next five, right? So gotcha. the next five came from those first three. Then we did the 1031s, eight to 80. Uh, but the whole idea for me was I wanted to replace our income. So it's cash flow. So my wife retired six years ago. I retired a little over three years ago. Um, and it's a wonderful feeling know that knowing that our monthly bills are paid for from you know rental income. So yeah, we went bigger, but that's only because we couldn't buy the next house. Um, if you want to overpay for anything I own, I promise you I'll sell it to you. I'll just go put it somewhere else. <laughs> you know, you you could you might be able to do it right now. In fact, you could just <laughs> cash out on everything, man. It uh, but then you'd you'd have a situation you'd, you need to put money somewhere. So it it it's not all rosy yeah. out there. Um, if, yeah, if no, someone I like, I like them. My bills are monthly, so I like I like money coming in monthly. No, it's I mean it, you can't beat that strategy. I mean I owned um you know during during the housing crisis I owned a property in Boise, Idaho. I used to have um, an investor uh, prior to doing real estate. I was on the finance side, so I actually had over ten years. I owned a mortgage company. I had a uh, an investor client of mine who owned at the time about seventy five properties. And he would go in and he would find these hot markets of, of where job growth was going to happen and, and you know, it, that was going to explode because of, of you know, business and, and just people migrating there for, for a number of reasons. And, and honestly, he picked every single market before they all took off. You know, the surprise Arizona, Las Vegas, Boise, Idaho, Lexington, Kentucky. Ooh. I mean, every single market he, he did, St. George, Utah. I mean, he, he did it well. And, um, he would go in and, and I bought one in Boise and one in Lexington, Kentucky, and um, they cash flowed fine. But when 2008 happened, 2007, 2008, I just I got scared and I was like, you know what? I, I was I was a single guy. I was like, you know what? This is too much out there. I was in the mortgage business. I was like, you know what? I, I don't think I can do this. So ended up selling both. And now I look back on what in the hell? did I <laughs> Why? Like I wasn't upside down. I was I mean, they cash flowed. I just I just. I was young. Yeah, I, it, was, it was. I didn't understand. And yeah, yeah. One of those. Even the mortgage market moments. back then had to be rough. I mean, that. Oh, yeah, it, was, I remember, it was. I remember Bear Stearns and like Countrywide and IndyMac and 
it kind of probably felt like it was the world was collapsing. It, it did. It, 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 it felt a lot scary. like March of of last year when you just didn't know <laughs> what was going on, and and we all knew it was it was what was happening. It just I was trying to get rid of everything that I didn't need mm-hmm. because you know, and and now yeah, I look get, back get and small. go. Boise. I mean, that house is probably quadrupled in value just alone, <laughs> not even the rent. I mean, it's amazing. Uh, yeah. But, you know, I, again, I, I appreciate you being here, Michael. If somebody wanted to sure. get in touch with you, they wanted to start investing. What is your recommendation? I mean, how would they reach out to you or what? What? where do you where do you have them go to uh, to start that conversation? Yeah. I think the best thing is to just type one rental at a time in Google. You should get my YouTube channel, website, book, all that stuff. I put out daily content on YouTube, three or four videos a day, seven days a week. Oh, wow. I'm trying to give back. So. No, that's fantastic. So what I'll do is I'll link to to Michael's channel below um, so you can find all that information for for the book on Amazon. We'll, We'll give all the links there so you can connect with with him to get any information you need um, if you have questions. Uh, anything you want to, to, to add here on, uh, on our, our last, our, our, yeah, our last what I would words, tell people, if you will. Yeah. What I would tell people is there's never been a better time, I think, to get into single family rentals. I really do think over the next five to 10 years, uh, single family rentals is the place to be. I think there's a lot of changes and disruption and, you know, bigger is better and big multi. There's a lot of pain in office, a lot of pain in retail. But there's something that's very, you know, th- this crisis teaches us things. And this one taught us that space is good. I want a place in the backyard for my kids and dogs. I want a, a garage for my office or my car. Uh, I, You know, the, the whole suburban and rural flight is real. Uh, I think vertical living is is seen its peak. Uh, so if you can go get four rental homes over the next four to eight years, I think you're going to take care of your family in a, a pretty special way. So don't let all the negativity get you don't let all these tax changes get you they're going after the one percent just wash it off go get your rental property save it and you'll be in a better spot no absolutely michael i i mean i think that's great advice i mean so for anyone watching you know here wondering what what thoughts are on the housing market you know you know i say it all the time as long as you have a longer term horizon regardless you know if as long as you're not thinking what's going to my property is going to be worth next year and and so on and so forth and think of it as something that you have to have it's shelter you need it you know i'm going to be here i've got to raise my family all that good stuff you're going to be in good shape and and this is coming from somebody yeah. that's it's been doing this over 20 years and and, and you know owns a lot of property right he's not out there panic selling getting rid of it because he's worried about the world collapsing he's actually trying to find more so Use that um, when you're thinking about what you want to do. But appreciate you all being here. I appreciate you being here, Michael. Great conversation. Um, check out his you know, content on YouTube. Again, putting a lot of free information out there. It can help guide you through the process as well. But for now, thank you for taking the time to watch. We'll see you again soon. Have a great day. Bye-bye.